that pre-launch period, I think we, I think it was about two to $3,000 that we had made profit. You know, for us, that was a pretty good indication that, you know, of what was to come, I guess. At Founder, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on our way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're doing things a little differently. We're working with our own students in our community who are deep within the process of building our own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow who've stood where you are and are on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of our stories are about to share in this show. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. And with that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Hey guys, Molly here. I'm the community manager for Founder Magazine and welcome to the series From Zero to Founder. I'm super excited to sit down with a leader who's one of our Start and Scale students to speak about her business, Define World, which is an amazing Korean beauty mask. She's gone from zero to 20K in just a month, which is pretty incredible. So let's get into it. Hi, Alita. Thank you so much for joining me this morning and talking about your journey. I guess our first question, tell me a little bit about yourself, your business and where you're located. Um, So we're located in Melbourne, Victoria, um, here in Australia. Um, So my business is Define World and I run this with my business partner, Stephanie. Um, Yeah, so we basically began um, Define World just from an idea and it's um, kicked off and done really well. So we're really proud of what we've achieved so far. Amazing. And what exactly is Define World? The product or the the business. So the product is actually, it's a chin lifting mask. So um, it's based off a Korean beauty concept, which um, uh, Stephanie and I hadn't seen in Australia before, but it, the conversation that we had um, that inspired the business was really just about how we can, you know, lift our chins. I mean, I think women, especially as we get older, we start to have... Um, that insecurity about, oh my gosh, is, is my chin becoming too? Um, so, and we wanted a bit more definition, but um, we thought about um, how we could offer something that people could afford um, rather than, you know, going straight to surgery or fillers because we know a lot of people um, because of, you know, things like price um, or just the fact that they aren't ready to commit to, you know, the more permanent things. Um, yeah, so we we're just kind of inspired by that, so... Super interesting. And before creating Define World in your business, what were you doing prior to that? Um, So I um, was working as a marketing manager. So, yeah. Amazing. And how long were you doing that position for? Um, So I've been working in marketing for the last eight years, but um, I've been in a senior role for the last two to three years. Perfect. And what kind of made you want to start your own business? Was it you trying to be more independent and break out of your normal nine to five? Um, To be honest, I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit and I've always wanted to have my own business. But um, during COVID, I was made redundant. So um, it kind of just gave me the push to start something. Um, so I've been sitting on the idea for, you know, a, a while. Um, and then we started the process already prior to COVID. Um, and then it was just like, okay, now's the time. Let's not waste any more time. There's no more excuses. So, yeah. 
Perfect. No, and it's crazy how many lives were put into a, a bit of a whirlwind with COVID, but it's great to say that you've come out successfully the other end. But did you know Stephanie, your business partner, prior before you went into business together? Yes, we worked together oh, maybe about five years ago and we just became really good friends. Um, and I think one of the common interests that we ha- both had and something that we really bonded over um, and grew the, the friendship kind of grew over that was our, um, yeah, our desperation to not have to work for someone for the rest of our lives. So, yeah. Perfect. And I guess going from that, how did you actually or how did you both stumble across Founder and the Start and Scale course? Um, well, I knew Greta because I was familiar with a couple of her products. Um, I'd actually purchased Skinny Me Tea many years ago. <laughs> um, and then obviously found I was familiar with um, just the magazine and the Instagram. Um, and then the ad started to pop up and it just felt like a bit of a sign for me. And I guess knowing about Greta previously, is that what really sold you on kind of wanting to pursue the course or was there something else that really stood out to you? Um, look, I think... You know, when you see when somebody that's been through a process and been successful at it is, you know, offering their mentorship or their, um, you know, a course or whatever it might be, I think it gives you that little bit more confidence to pay the money to do a course. Um, you want to know that you're learning from someone who's experienced it, who's lived it, um, and somebody that you feel like, you know, is going to give you something that you'll get um, or give you the confidence to make the leap, I guess. So, um, yeah, knowing Greta and her success, I think that was the catalyst for us moving forward with the with the course. Brilliant. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I think having that prior knowledge probably also helped as well. But from the course, did you already have your idea in place or did you discover the idea, I guess, going through the step-by-step process? So we already had the idea. Um, it was just... I guess the first couple of modules we'd sort of surpassed because we had the idea and we were already moving forward with, um, you know, parts of the product. Um, But I think it was, you know, we kind of got to a point where we were like, okay, what now? We were just so overwhelmed with the process. Um, And that's when we turned to Founder to help us move forward, I guess. Amazing. And you said you've already had some of the steps in place. What steps did you have in place already? Um, Well, our product was already in production and we'd already built our branding. Um, Steph, my business partner, she's she's a graphic designer. So she had already built, you know, the brand. Uh, We'd already begun our Instagram. Um, But yeah, so that all the, the, the product was in production and it was kind of moving forward. It was just, you know, once we got our hands in the product, what now? So... Yes, yes. It can be very daunting and I'm sure a lot of people listening might even be at that same stage while they're listening to this. But talk me through your manufacturing process. Did you find it challenging at all? Um, I did. Look, we obviously went through China. So there, I mean, when we were trying to find a manufacturer, it was through COVID as well. So there were a lot of um, challenges Um, trying to find the right one. We didn't have the luxury to be able to travel. Um, We'd already spoken to a couple of manufacturers prior that we were hoping to get over to China um, to meet with, but um, unfortunately weren't able to do that. So then um, going back and forth, um, trialing different products with ingredients that we had um, obviously wanted to to have in the mask, Um, then we, yeah, we stumbled across the right one that really understood us, that got our product right. Um, 
And yeah, I guess that was the beginning of the love story. <laughs> the perfect fit. <laughs> no, amazing. Yeah, so they, I mean, they were brilliant. It was nice. I mean, you know, they can be language barriers, but our um, account manager um, at the factory that we make our product um, speaks incredible English. She's so attentive. She literally replies to everything. So, I mean, they were the points that I think Greta pointed out in the course was, you know, if it, if it feels right and, you know, all of the things are ticking the boxes, communication um, and, all, you know, all those little points, um, then it's a good sign, I guess. But if they're not replying and, um, you know, there's a lot of red flags, then it, it's telling you something. So, Very interesting. And I guess from, you know, finding a manufacturer, how many samples did you go through until you found the right ingredients, as you mentioned? Um, we probably went through oh, maybe maybe like 15 to 20. So um, we, you know, we're quite lucky in the, in the sense that manufacturing the product isn't the biggest cost to the business. Um, so we were able to, I mean, sampling wasn't a bit more expensive, obviously, but, um, you know, we knew that with this type of product, we had to get the ingredients right. So, you know, any extra money spent was totally worth the effort and the time and the money. And did you have previous experience with Korean skincare? Have you used it in the past or is it just something that really spoke to you and Stephanie? Um, we both have used Korean skincare and we're huge fans of it. You know, Koreans are the leaders in the beauty industry, really. Um, they're known worldwide for having such brilliant um, products and generally really good ingredients. So we knew that, um, yeah, I guess basing off their model um, of beauty was kind of definitely where we want to go and we loved the idea of you know a chin lift mask a mask that could do you know all the things that we wanted without the commitment of surgery or fillers so very very interesting and I guess from having that experience with the Korean skincare and all the ingredients did you kind of just pull bits and pieces that you really liked or did you have to educate yourself on what ingredients work best for the result that you really wanted for your product well, I researched every single product, uh, every single ingredient. I spent hours and hours and hours researching ingredients. I mean, I'm an avid, you know, skincare user, so I know how important ingredients are. Um, and people are now a lot more savvy when it comes to ingredients. So I think if I'd gone in blind, um, you know, the, the, there would have been a backlash, um, I'm sure. So um, it was really important to me um, and Stephanie to get the ingredients right. So research was key. Yeah. I love that you've done that research because like you mentioned, there's so many competitive, uh, different emerging brands out there. And I think that's what really will set you apart if you do research and actually find ingredients that really do well together. But speaking about uh, Stephanie's involvement, she, you mentioned she was a graphic designer. Did you both land on the naming and the design for the packaging quite easily or were there challenges within that as well? Um, we wanted an, a brand name that we could carry through and build, you know, we want to build a brand. So we want to be able to introduce <clears throat> other products, but, um, you know, we also wanted a name that would be synonymous, synonymous with the product itself, the, our, our initial product. Um, and yeah, we sort of went back and forth. It only took us a couple of days before like, okay, this is so the one. And, um, I guess, having a business partner itself before even thinking of starting your own business, did you always know that that's the route that you wanted to take? No. <laughs> um, I think naturally I always thought I would do it by myself, but to be honest, I, I'm so grateful that I had her because, you know, my strengths were her weaknesses and her strengths were my weaknesses. So I think that's 
you know, partially why we were so successful because we had so many tools between us um, to do it right. So, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of that was because of our experiences um, separately. And then when we came together collectively, I think that was just the bonus. I think that's really great advice. And I'm sure there's probably people listening that might be tossing up whether they do it alone or actually involve someone else. So would your advice to them be go down the business partner route? Look, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to that. I think it's a really, you know, individual type of decision. Um, Look, there's definitely pros and cons to both. Um, You know, I think when you have a business partner, you have to make sure that you are on the same page. And I think that that's what I'm so grateful for is that we have always been on the same page and, you know, we're the both types of personalities where we can accept the other's feedback or, um, you know, criticism to something that we've done. So I think, you know, you've got to be really, um, you've got to have a really good relationship with a business partner to make sure that it's going to work because you will have differences and how you deal with those differences is going to be really, I guess it's going to be the key to whether you're successful or not. Um, But then, you know, individual, if, if you've got that motivation to do it, you've got the backing, then, you know, you can be just as successful. Of course. And you mentioned how you and Stephanie kind of play off each other's weaknesses and strengths, which I think is really amazing. And I think that's great from a business partner. And from your perspective with marketing, talk me through your marketing strategy. Did you develop any beforehand when you were going through the process of developing your product? Or did you always know from your prior experience what you wanted to do? I mean, because of my experience with marketing and dealing with really big um, strategies with huge budgets, I knew, you know, from my experience, what worked and what didn't. To be fair, I had only my experiences in um, professional services. So it's a little bit different to the beauty industry, although I have had some e-commerce experience many years ago. Um, Stephanie, on the other hand, works in e-commerce. So that was a bonus, but it was, I guess, combining the strategy with what she knows um, from her own experience as well. Um, The combination, I think, worked. I I knew that influencers would be a huge part for us. Um, So I, you know, looked at a lot of other business models and I researched other business models that had had huge success using influencers because, you know, our product is a funny one. It's not for everybody and we understand that. So, you know, we wanted to make it a little bit sexier than what it is. Um, That was really important to us. Um, And we knew that that would be a huge marketing tool, Um, making it look pretty, especially our Instagram. It's been such a... um, huge leverage for us. And I think partially it's because it looks so, so beautiful. I agree. It's definitely beautiful packaging with like the reds and the pinks, which is really feminine and and really, I guess, speaks to that beauty domain. (laughs) You mentioned Instagram. How have you developed your followers? For example, did you have any, um, I guess, creative ideas in place how you wanted to actually grow that account? Yeah. So, I mean, we knew that we needed a beautiful aesthetic. We knew that we, we were really clear on who our demographic was and we knew that the demographic that we were after loved pretty things. You know, Instagram, I think a lot of people forget that it is a visual platform. Um, you know, a lot of people tend to use different platforms the same way, which is a huge error um, and why I think a lot of people struggle with Instagram. Um, so we knew that it had to look really, really good. And then from there, people would you know, stumble across our page and they would obviously follow. But then, you know, we had other marketing tools. So we were doing the giveaways. We um, had a lot of influencers. We used other platforms like TikTok um, to, 
you know, direct people back to our Instagram as well. Um, and that was one, I mean, TikTok, we kind of stumbled across TikTok being so new to it. Um, and that was a really, really huge tool for us. So. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. I would love to speak to you more about TikTok, but first you mentioned something about giveaways, which I'm sure a lot of people find interesting because even in the Start and Scale group itself, we have a community group where a lot of people do actually speak about giveaway strategies. What was your first giveaway like? So we wanted to have a really, really good offer because we knew that I mean, I I say this a lot, you know, when you have a brand new product, it's really hard to encourage people to enter something when they don't know your brand, they don't know your business and they don't know your product. Um, So for us, we knew that if we could combine some big names into our giveaway, which is probably a little bit left to field for a lot of, I guess, for what other businesses have planned, small businesses have planned based off um, the course, but we thought we'd do it a little bit different. We wanted to have some big brands to leverage off um, and then we had our product. So, um, you know, we started off with this huge um, huge giveaway with lots of different products, um, all beauty related and, you know, all to do with our product. Um, and then from there, we did a, a number of other giveaways um, with less products. So it was just, you know, one other big product that we knew complemented our product. Um, so, yeah, and then people became so familiar with our brand because we were running them and we were also advertising those giveaways that um, they'd been really successful for us. We had thousands of comments and um, entries for our giveaways. That's really exciting, especially for such a small business. Yeah, it was really exciting. I mean, initially we weren't sure how they'd go, but then they did so well. Um, And, you know, we had a lot of businesses approach us to do combined giveaways, but I was always really hesitant to do that. I mean, for a number of reasons, I, I didn't... I didn't think that they would be as successful and we wanted people to purely come to our brand. So, you know, if you're dividing up thousands, you know, if there's too much work for people to do, they won't do it. So we knew if they just had to like and share and follow us, then they would hopefully do it if they wanted to win the prize. So, Which is a great tactic to have and that kind of leads me into my next question. What were some of the results that you saw from that? Was it just an increase in followers or was it, did you have a, a I guess, um, a CTA in your bio that led people to shop? Well, when we started running the giveaways, it was purely to build brand awareness. We hadn't actually launched our website. So um, we obviously were trying to drive people to follow us um, and build our following. That was 100% probably the biggest driver. Um, But then also we wanted to encourage engagement. So more people commenting on our um, our photos and then, you know, getting to know the people that, interested in our product was key for us because then you know when we get a bit more insight about our potential customers then we can use you know those insights to hopefully market to them so that was yeah a really important factor for us which is great because that just grows your community and I guess that kind of what lead led you to TikTok is it trying to grow more of that brand awareness 
Yeah, well, we'd actually, it was just by chance that we had come across TikTok. We were always interested in the platform. We um, we had probably within a couple of months prior started to use it to get to understand, get to know it. Um, but then one of the micro-influencers that we'd reached out to um, actually told us that she had a huge following on TikTok um, and she was uh, a little bit more affordable than some of the Instagrammers with considering her huge following. Um, and then she had posted a couple of videos for us and they just blew up. We, you know, were gaining thousands of followers a day. So, well, hundreds to thousands of followers a day on TikTok. Um, and that obviously was leading back to our um, to um, our Instagram. And we were also building a huge subscriber list. So, Very interesting. And I do really want to speak about your subscriber list because I know you've had great successes there. But it's interesting how it's full circle with your influencers and Instagram with TikTok. What sort of content were you trying to post on TikTok? Because it is such a relatively new platform. Some people can get a bit stuck. Was it just user-generated content and influencer content? Um, We were doing a mix. We actually found that you know, being a raw, real business on TikTok was something that people were really interested in. There's so many small businesses on there. Um, and so any little win that we had, we were posting about what we'd done or um, how we'd done it so that I guess more as, as advice to small businesses. And then um, we were combining that with user-generated content. So, you know, we were getting not only other businesses following us, but we we're also getting a lot of, um, you know, potential customers. And we also had a code, um, that a TikTok code, a discount code for people to eventually come to our website and purchase through TikTok. Wow, super interesting. It sounds great that you've kind of made them more fluid and, and work together, which is incredible marketing on, on your side. But from the influencers, was that the same strategy that you applied on TikTok as well as your Instagram account? Yeah, a little bit. TikTok's a, it's a different type of platform. You know, I think a lot of people don't like um um, non-authentic type of content, you know, things that feel like a bit of ad there, they're a pretty tough audience there. So, you know, that was something that we learned um, pretty quickly. Um, you know, I don't think ads do as well on, on the platform um, TikTok as opposed to Instagram. So that was something that we um, had like purely because, you know, it is a younger demographic. They're a lot more savvy when it comes to, you know, what they what they're seeing what they're buying into um you know it's a different world now whereas instagram you have an array of ages demographics on there whereas tiktok predominantly is a younger demographic i agree and it can be hard to try and find that balance but were you running ads on tiktok did you mention no, we didn't, but we'd done a lot of research and we'd spoken to a couple of other businesses um, about the ads and we got their feedback. So um, not to say that we wouldn't do it. Um, we just know that it would have to be the right content. Um, and it's it's also for a small business, it can be pricey. No, I agree with you. And it's definitely great to kind of do research and weigh up those options. But were you running ads on Instagram then or were you running Facebook ads? Yes, we were, once we had launched, we started to run both. Um, and we had, I mean, I guess that was one of the things that we were quite lucky to have a bit of experience in. Um, but our faith, well, we were also boosting um, Instagram um, posts um, and they were doing well for us as well, not just the Facebook ads that were feeding through to Instagram. Um, but, yeah, I, I think ads is a really important part in building a business, um, especially once you get some user-generated content because it's creating trust for people that they're putting a face to a brand new product. 
I agree. And what kind of results have you seen in turn from running those ads on both Instagram and Facebook? Sales and followers, essentially. It's really simple. I mean, our followers have grown, yes, but our sales have, you know, especially... I mean, we've only, we only launched in November. So what's that four months? Really, it's only been four months and we've had pretty good success. (laughs) So we're pretty proud. And we think a lot of that has had to do with ads um, combined with our influencer marketing. We went from micros to macros and that was when we really saw a, a shift. Amazing. And like, I really want to speak to you about those results because they are quite amazing. But you did mention quickly, you grew your email list quite incredibly. Did you want to touch upon that? Yeah, I mean, I think that was really key, especially prior to launch, Um, you know, having, building a following, we would always have a call to action to sign up to our subscriber list. Um, You know, we were giving hints about our product and um, especially on TikTok, we were explaining um, and having influencers explain the product. And obviously once the micro influencers were using it, we were getting them to post their before and afters. Um, and that was driving people to sign up because they were like, okay, this product might actually work. Um, so yeah, from there, it just kind of catapulted and we had over a thousand subscribers before launch, which is, we thought a pretty good feat considering. Yeah, very, very incredible. And did you do a pre-launch with those a thousand subscribers that you got on your list? Yeah, so the week prior we did a launch and we offered them a discount code. So we felt that they deserved a little something in return for following and subscribing. And how did that perform? Um, that did pretty well. I mean, I yeah, it has done pretty well um, considering that, um, you know, we had no expectation. That first week I think that was sort of the start where we were like, okay, I think we're onto something here. You know, I think that we've got a really great product that we can sell because, you know, people were already trusting of the fact that our product had worked. And, you know, when we had launched to those um, subscribers, we had done some Instagram um, because we had assumed that, and in TikTok um, posts, we had assumed that a lot of those subscribers still followed us. Um, so, you know, reminding them of the before and afters and the product, um, I think that was the driver um, to getting them to purchase once we had actually pre-launched. Yes, very, very true. And I guess, how did it feel to you when you first saw that customer purchase your product? That, that's the most insane feeling. Honestly, it's the best feeling because, you know, you spend so long building a product, you know, you have this idea and, you know, in your head, you're going to have all of this success, you know, because you don't expect anything less than success. Well, I didn't anyway. Um, so when you see it, it kind of validates the fact that you're onto something. You know, I always, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit different to people, but I feel like if one person's willing to purchase your product, then you know that you've got a market. I know that, you know, it's, the validation stage is super important in the lead up. Um, but, you know, when you get that first one, you're like, okay, I think people are going to buy this product. It's just a matter of doing, you know, make, I guess taking all the correct steps to make sure that more people buy. Yeah, it's a pretty incredible feeling. I can only imagine. And from that first customer that you had with your pre-launch phase, how long did you run your pre-launch for and the discount code? Um, Just for a week before. um, We wanted to have a really big build-up to our actual actual launch, so we didn't want it to be too long. Um, So, yeah, I think it was a, a week before, a week and a half maybe. And how were your results like in that week in terms of revenue or more um, email subscribers? Um, we had built email subscribers. I think in terms of revenue, I think it was we in the first 
that first, well, that sorry, that pre-launch period, I think we, I think it was about two to three thousand dollars that we had made profit. Um, so, you know, for us, that was a pretty good indication that, you know, of what was to come, I guess. Definitely. And only having one product too, I think is also incredible to have that much success in a week is no small feat. That's for sure. Yeah, that was, I mean, a bit of a challenge is, you know, selling one product. So that was something that we had to also work with. And that's why we were so adamant about making, you know, that one product stand out. You know, everything was focused around that, whether it was the branding that led back to that product or, you know, anything influencer wise, it was always about the product. Um, And the brand obviously was just, we'd already built the brand in the months leading up to that pre-launch. So um, yeah, the combination was pretty important. I agree completely. And from pre-launch and actually launching, walk me through that process of how that felt to actually be live to everyone. That was a really stressful week, actually, because we were making some tweaks to the website. So we were really touch and go there for a minute and we were unsure if we were going to launch or not. Um, But, you know, we wanted to launch with a bang. So that's when we we had already touched base with um, some influencers for our launch week, um, some macro influencers. Um, you know, that was important. We didn't want to use macro influencers prior to our launch because I feel like, you know, if you use them once, that's, you know, that's a different story. But if you're going to use them multiple times, obviously, you know, you can gen- continue to generate trust and sales. But um, we knew that if we wanted to launch, we wanted to do it with a bang. So having my, we had a couple of macro influences um, for our launch week. And I think that was something that really solidified where we were going to sort of sit in the market. Um, and then our sales just, yeah, the power of a good macro influencer, let me tell you, is um, it's pretty incredible. I agree completely. It's crazy what they can do and just help boost brands. But from that first week, making two, three thousand dollars, which is incredible. How did you find yourself after launching maybe into a, a month? Um, so we made just it was around nineteen thousand dollars. So I think it just fell under. It was like eighteen thousand something um but it was pretty um amazing it took a lot of work to get there you know we were constantly marketing um we had influencers on the go um you know our instagram was you know we were posting and just reminding people a lot of before and afters we were encouraging people to review and you know we really wanted to build that trust because you know our product can be seen as gimmicky and we didn't want that we know that that's something that that that's the reality of these types of products, but we knew that it worked. And, you know, I am a huge advocate for my product as most people are, but, you know, I've used it and I use, you know, I was always happy and willing to share my before and afters, but then, you know, as more people use it, the, the before and afters were rolling in and it started to become pretty incredible that, you know, our product isn't something gimmicky. It just takes people just to give it a go. Um, and I think that was, you know, when more people were starting to trust that our product was a real product that worked. Yeah. And I guess, like you mentioned, having before and afters would have definitely helped like that social proof to push you more because I guess a lot of people listening might think the same thing where it's like, it's hard if you've got a results driven product and influencer pushing it because there is that sort of blurred line. And when you said you were having your challenges with that, were you getting a lot of customer inquiries asking, is this real? Is it Photoshopped? Yeah, we, to be honest, we, had quite a few people saying, oh, this isn't real. You know, we were running a couple of ads and, you know, the comments we'd get is that, you know, they were Photoshopped or, um, 
we had a customer who was in her 50s um, and had the most incredible results. And people were saying, she, oh, no, she's had surgery. And I knew very well that customer because it was actually my mother-in-law and I was there when she had tried it. So, um, you know, to me, I, I, it's so hard to say to people, well, no, this is a real customer because, you know, on the internet, people are going to say what they're going to say. Um, but we are, we've made a point to be really authentic. So every before and after has not been filtered, photoshopped, nothing. So, um, you know, people are going to believe what they want to believe, but we know um, as a brand and as a business that we're honest and we're authentic. And um, I think people who follow our business and have bought our product, I think that they understand that. Definitely. It's a, something that you definitely have to try for yourself to see the amazing results. But so you find that reviews really helped post launching to have this sort of um, continued growth? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was key because like I said, our product isn't your usual product. It's not something that you put on and there's an instant change. I mean, well, there is after, you know, your 30 to 45 minutes, but it's not something that people can, it's not like having some feeler where you see it so obviously. So sometimes photo, you do need to take a photo to see the change. You know, you've got to remember that this is a beauty mask. It's, you know, it's not surgery. Um, and we like to be really realistic about that. So, um, you know, reiterating that with reviews and before and afters was, and that social proof was really important. Um, we wanted people to understand that, um, you know, the product does work you've got to you know there's steps to take obviously to make sure that you get the most out of the product um so we we made a point um of that um but yeah so i i think that was yeah key for us given the product could be seen as gimmicky and I know that Greta mentions within the course how important social proof is and, you know, to, to showcase it to your audience. Is that what kind of helped you put reviews publicly on your website as well as your Instagram as well? Because that was really honed in within the course as well. Yeah, that, the course definitely made a point of that. And that was something that we considered, give, you know, going into that. Um, that was one part of the course that we knew we had to implement because of the product that we had. Um, and, you know, once we launched the website, not only on our social media were we trying to showcase that social proof, but on our website we made a point to have reviews and offer people photos and discounts if they posted their photos. Which is an incredible incentive and I think it definitely helps. But I guess working towards wrapping up and, and talking to you more about where you are now in business, what's what's that like how is your business performing now since november it's been really good i mean you know we start off on such a high so you know maintaining that can be difficult there's no doubts about that but um we're in a really nice position um you know january was a little bit quiet in comparison to november december um but you know mid-feb we started to go back up um you know, pretty quickly again, which is nice. So um, we're kind of cruising pretty steadily now, which is, it's kind of nice to be getting a little bit more consistency, you know, because when you're in your business, you're riding the roller coaster of, you know, some really great days and some, you know, potentially some, I wouldn't say we haven't really had any bad days, but definitely um, not as, you know, crazy sale days as others, um, which is natural with any business and especially in the e-commerce retail type of environment. Um, but, yeah, building that 
that consistency now has been really, um, really great for us. I feel like, you know, we're starting to get a bit more comfortable, but um, we have a, you know, a big strategy planned um, for the coming months. So um, I know that hopefully we're going to keep flying. Optimism is key. And I guess for anyone listening that, you know, they might have had a massive first month themselves, similar to how you and Stephanie have with Define World, what sort of strategies did you implement to help kind of have that steady trajectory? Was it Black Friday sales, Christmas sales or anything like that? Yeah, we, I mean, obviously we made some good relationships with some macro influencers. Um, we, you know, some macro influencers lost us a bit of money, you know, whereas once we kind of, and because we had used quite a few in that first sort of one to two months, um, we knew exactly who was doing well and then we kind of held on to those couple um, and we built really good relationships with them and then the trust that they've built with their audiences to do with our product has um, done very well for us, incredibly well actually. And then, you know, the combination of ads, I think, you know, when you launch, it's one thing just to launch to your Instagram or your small type of audience, um, but then you've got to expand that audience. So ads have been really important really, really important for us to kind of maintain. We see a lot of um, people now, probably more people coming from our ads as opposed to um, our Instagram, for example. So, um, you know, we we still use the key um, principles that we used early on. We still use micro-influencers as well, um, you know, because of... you, you need to keep growing your audience. I, you know, you can't just rely on that that original audience that bought your product because um, eventually that will run dry. So, um, yeah, you've got to just keep building. So I guess just recycling the same, the same strategies is important um, until something stops working and then you've got to change it. Very interesting insights. And I guess that kind of leads me to my next question. What is next for you? You mentioned you've got a few great strategies. Are you building any new products? Well, a new product is in the works, yes, um, but we're not quite sure when that will launch. We think that might be a little while away. Um, we want to make sure that we get it right. Um, but in terms of our marketing, you know, we really want to start to push that a lot more um, you know, we're going to increase our budgets and, um, you know, be a little bit different with the way that we market to people as well. Um, you know, we've got a few different strategies that we want to bring into play. Um, you know, we've been really lucky from all angles, from publicity-wise to the marketing. So we just really want to keep building on that. Very exciting to see. I can't wait to see the new product. But I guess where would you say, like, would you ever have expected from taking the Start Sale course you would be where you are today? Yeah, I did. I had every bit of faith that I would, and I guess Stephanie as well as collective, we would succeed, you know. I think we went into this not willing to fail. And I think, you know, Anybody doing the course needs to remember there's no, you know, one road down to success. You know, you've really got to work at it. It's a combination of things. You can't just rely on one thing, you know, to be successful. So we knew that we had the tools and I guess failure was not an option (laughs) and it still isn't. So uh, I think, you know, having the right attitude is just as important as as having the tools, you know, because if you have the tools and you're not willing to do anything with them, um, yeah, it's not going to end well. 
Such a great outlook to have, and I love the confidence as well because it, it's led you where you are today, which is quite incredible. But my last question, if someone listening to this might be in your position where you were wanting to start a business and wanting to not work for you know, a boss or anything like that, what's the one key advice that you would give them? Look, if you're sitting on an idea and you're really confident about it, uh, confident about it do it. You, know, you, you really have nothing to lose. I mean, you can always make some money back. At the end of the day, I know, you know, I think a lot of people are so hesitant to start businesses because of money, um, you know, and there's ways to do it a little bit more affordably. Maybe you don't purchase as big a quantity, for example, um, you know, there's, there's lots of different avenues you can go with, but I always say you can make money, money comes and goes. So don't let that be the one thing that stops you. Um, you know, if you're adamant that it's going to work, I mean, what do you have to lose? So. I love the passion and I agree completely. I think you just need to dive headfirst into it. And I guess I just really want to thank you for sharing your story today with me, Alita, and a little insight into Define World. I'm very excited to see where you are going to go in the future. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. It was great to um, yeah chat to you. And obviously, um, you know, the course has been a, a really pivotal part of our success. So um, yeah, I recommend it. I'm so happy to hear. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want access to the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com slash e-commerce training or follow the link in the show notes.